Welcome to Under the School Bus. I am your host, Cole, and with me is my very eloquent co-host, K-Dub. Today, we are going to talk about critics. So, one of the quotes that we have kind of picked up and tend to live by and quote a lot to each other is Roosevelt's quote the man in the, about the man in the arena. Um, and it says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who actually is in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. And I think that's 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 become kind of like, I don't know, the theme of education it feels like lately. Um, and we are constantly, constant, constantly hit with critics. I think the whole environment of education is super critical. Everybody has been through the education program and been to school, so they think they all know how to do it and how we are doing it wrong. I totally agree. And so today, we kind of wanted to, like, maybe kind of turn the tables, I guess, on the critics and, like, really take a look at what what the critics know and, like, where the system is kind of going awry, I guess. With, yeah. Is that accurate? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about the different kinds of groups of people that are, or who the critics are. So it starts It starts with lawmakers and policymakers at the very top. It top starts with um, them making rules and legislation about how crappy education is and all these mandates that we need to do better. And then they put in all these rules about school improvement, turnaround plans, and all these things that we have to meet. We've got the state boards that then are trying to also maintain quality control because we do such a terrible job at our uh, teaching kids, I guess. Um, society has its own agendas. You know, are we teaching the kids cultural values? Are we teaching the kids what society thinks we should be teaching them? And the parents have their own agenda. Everybody's seems like they're out to get us all the time. Yes. So let's just look at, let's, let, let's start at the top. Let's look at the political agenda to begin with. Like, so I want to research this real quick, but I bl- believe it was around 2008 because it was right around the fall of the stock market. And believe me that I love our former president. However, when the stock market fell, guess who got thrown under the bus? Um, schools and educators? <laughs> the school. Bingo. Bingo. You hit the nail on the head. Oh, wait. When the stock market fell and everyone was up in arms and everyone was losing their jobs and the mortgage industry fell apart because of all the shady loans that they had sent out and the car industry fell apart and the banking industry fell apart because of all the shady loans that had been done through the mortgage industry... We started pumping millions and millions and millions of dollars into these industries to save them. To take the general public's eye off of the millions of dollars that we were giving to people, to millionaires, who should have probably, like, given up some of their money to help save the industry that made them millionaires, the president instead basically threw education under the bus and said... Let's not focus over here on the fact that we're putting more money, millions of dollars in to save these guys' asses that should be being monetarily accountable themselves. 
But instead, let's look at the teachers and what a crappy job that they're doing and how we need to focus more on STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, and how we don't have good enough programs and how we're following be- falling behind the rest of the country, and all of a sudden the sky is falling. And then, on top of that, so then we say, okay, cool, let everybody start... This is when, I, I feel like this is kind of when the hatred started to brew. Oh, teachers suck, teachers suck, teachers suck. And it kept coming. And so then, from then on and moving forward, it, I feel like the general feeling about teachers is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't do enough. We're only doing what's the minimum requirement to maintain our jobs. And I've, I've felt like kind of an overall view of like, it's kind of the comparison to like, how people feel about cops and when they call them pigs and things like that like it's this it's almost like we're a necessary evil yeah and I feel like too like we're I think schools a lot are blamed for and held accountable for (sighs) struggles with race struggles in poverty all of those things the schools are failing those kids struggles Um, with morality schools are failing the kids schools are failing the culture schools are failing society these kids test low and so it's the school's fault and all of the high stakes things that they put on the schools there is just like this whole idea that we are measured by test scores one test score and that's what we're looking at as a society nobody really knows any other things about the quality of a school besides assessment scores right so we're measured by how the kids that we have no control over coming through our doors how they test at the end of a school year and we're in high school and so when we have students coming in that are severely deficient they've been through years and years and years of elementary school junior high school and then they get to us and we are measured off of all of that leading up to that so these kids could have been and I do see it a lot that they very well could have been falling behind (laughs) from kindergarten on and we're the ones that are trying to pick up and get them to high school level, which is almost impossible. And so that's what we're being graded on. So we have a lot of people in politics. You even, um, okay, another person, Bernie Sanders, thinks that charter schools are evil. And granted, there probably are a few charter schools out there that are evil. I know that in different states, different charter schools are set up differently. In our state, they're set up, and we talked about this during our first episode, but they're set up to basically, like, we have to follow every law and have every bar set for us that every other public school has. Yeah. I think charter schools become a problem when they become a carbon copy of what's in the regular public setting. But there's a huge place for charter schools because we're able to turn on a dime a little bit better. Like if something's not working, we're able to adjust and adapt. And if we see things that we need help with, it's it's easier to turn around a charter school and start a new initiative or change things than it is to change in a district school. You're, you're changing the direction of a cruise ship. And each charter school can meet certain kids' needs and that they're not may not get in the public school. Public school's great and does awesome things, and there's huge programs that public schools can offer. Um, they can offer offer more a broader spectrum of opportunities for kids 
But sometimes kids don't need that. Sometimes they need a small environment. Sometimes they need specialized instruction, specialized programs that fit just their little needs. And not every kid would do well in our charter school. I don't think our charter school is for everybody. I think there's specific kids that need us. And charter schools fill that role where public schools cannot. There's just not a way, I don't think, for public schools to have special little niches for those kids that just don't quite make it in their schools. I totally agree. And then when you look at even the state level in politics, there's always an agenda of, I'm trying to think of the last one that occurred that I was like, are you serious right now? Like, and it was sex ed. Yeah. And I, what is this called? An absent, absent state? Yep. Abstinence only. And they did change some of the law's language a little bit because it used to read that teachers, counselors... Anybody could not even talk to students about any kind of their sexuality, about being gay, about struggling with any of that because it was forbidden through the the sex education laws. The educators could not talk about that stuff with kids unless they had the parents' permission. So if a kid came to a guidance counselor and needed help navigating any of those social situations, the same-sex attraction or any of those things, counselor kind of felt like a lot of educators felt like they had their hands tied and, oh, I can't talk to you about this. I'm sorry. But they did change that recently, which is nice. That's nice that I won't get fired. Every day I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So in in our state, we have um, grade. Every school gets a grade. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was decided by our state legislators who... I think there's one person that's a state legislator that was a former educator and hasn't been for quite some time. Moss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's one. So there's one person out of all of our state legislators that have any sort of idea of what used to go on in schools and then the rest of them are just putting in random rules for us and saying like this is what you need to do without any research now i will say it's not it's not without anything because there are a lot of self-interest groups that have the ear of some of our legislators that will get their own whatever their interests are they'll they'll somehow get those passed through legislation but no one is actually like doing any research or bothering to set foot in a in a school or a classroom to see what's really going on well, and I think this comes back to who is uh, one of the big issues for me is that who's informing the legislators and who's informing policymakers about policies that need to be in school tend to be university people in the universities, people who have large degrees in education, but a lot of those people don't have the practical experience to actually make all of that research and all of those theories actually work. So I've kind of been thinking as we've been talking about my experience as an administrator, like in my first my first year as an administrator, we got this lovely letter from the state charter board saying that our test scores were low. So therefore, we need to, to write a response to the state charter board and let them know why they should still allow us to have our doors open, why we should even exist, um, because clearly our test scores were low. And so therefore, we weren't doing a good job. First of all, the end of that is that the state charter board never responded after we wrote the letter because guess what? That's that's not within their right to shut a school down just because they want to. But so we got that letter and 
We had an education consultant who is from a university come and we had a huge meeting with our board and the other administrators talking about what we could do to turn the school around and get the test scores turned around. Every single, granted I was new and so I didn't really have enough confidence in myself to know that I knew more than I thought I did (laughs) and to have that to know that what I was thinking was actually good ideas. So every single idea, every single program, every single thing that I brought up or idea that I wanted to try to say, well, let's do this and maybe this will help with the test scores and we need to do this to help with attendance because kids are not attending school. Every single thing was, well, you could do that, however. And then I got this long discussion about all these research-based things, about implementing these reading programs that were really more based towards elementary school and just t- I was just shot down every single thing that I or my team brought up was shot down and at the end of the, a full day of being shot down and told how I sucked and told all the things that I was doing wrong and given these weird philosophical ideas about what I should be doing everybody left And it was Christmas break, and I got left with writing a letter to the state charter board all by myself. Sent it to the state charter board, never heard anything back from it. But that experience was like my first... Being in the Rihanna? Yeah, and just being really (laughs) frustrated and just completely demoralized and shot down. And I felt like... What am I doing? I don't. Uh, apparently, I have no idea what I'm doing. I couldn't understand what it was really that they wanted me to do because it didn't make any sense. And since then, like I figured it out, and I've continued to work with some of those same people and same same consultants. And sometimes they have good ideas, but the piece that is She's always they don't have good ideas. <laughs> the piece that is always missing is. How do you actually make it happen? How do you actually make it work? Like you can stand there and give me all these great philosophies and all these great strategies that have worked in an elementary school because guess what? There's very, very, very little actual research on high school um, strategies, high school, anything that works. Um, everything, Everything is elementary school based. Once they get to high school, they're like, man, this is a whole different thing and it doesn't work there. So let's just quit. Quit with sixth grade. They say this works on the elementary level. All you have to do is think outside the box and curtail it to what you need. And I'm like, okay, well, give me an example of that. And there's not, it's crickets every single time, every time. Oh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's always left to us, the people in the arena, to take the bullshit that's being handed to us and figure out how to make it work in those parameters and the parameters that are given to us by the critic. And then at the same time, do what actually needs to be done to help the kids. And that's one of the frustrations that I've had since I started, you know, working in public schools, same thing. Sometimes you have people from the district coming down with some weird mandate that you're supposed to do and actually making it apply in the classroom is virtually impossible. As an administrator, sometimes I find my, I always am trying to think through, okay, how can I make this easier for my teachers? Is this something that is actually practical? Is this working? Try to listen to the teacher's feedback on it. And I also take opportunities when I can, which very, very few and far between, to be in the classroom so that I remember what it's like to be a teacher 
So I remember what it's like to be in that arena. Because I think it's important when people are making decisions, they've got to look at the bigger picture and the actual practicality and application of what they're saying. Right. So we've talked about politics and how they've tried to fuck up everything. And then we've talked about state state boards a little bit. And I don't even know, is there anyone on our state board that has an education background? Do you know? Yeah, on the actual board, there mm-hmm. are several people who are. I know there are on the charter board. Yeah, on yeah. the charter, on the state board. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't really know everybody's background on the state charter or on the on the state board of education. Right. right. I do know that like. I do know like the staff of the charter office. Very few of them have. I know the director has. I'm pretty no. sure the director has zero years of experience in a classroom and zero years of school administration. And actually, her degree is not even in education, it's in policy. I know that there are several people that work for the state special education department that have zero years of experience in the classroom or in schools, and their background is law and compliance. And so they get these ideas of, you need to do this, 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 and this, but they don't realize that they're giving us some impossible tasks. They don't, they don't realize really what they're asking of us, and they don't have the training to realize even how to train. And that's what, I, I guess that's my philosophical issue, is the fact that like we're taught in education that to make a student want to continue learning, for every time they have a, a lose, they need between four and seven wins to want to continue to try. That doesn't change once once you become an adult and enter the, enter your career. As an adult, if you continue to fail and fail and fail and be told how bad you suck, you're going to want to try something else. You're going to not do that anymore. And so they're not taught the positive reinforcement side of things. And so you never get a, hey, things are looking good. Or, hey, this is this is going awesome. Congratulations on doing this. You get, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. In the seven years, I'm going on my eighth years of being at the school, I have experienced maybe one year where I did not get some kind of like, your scores are low, you now get to be in this new school improvement plan, your scores are low, you're on probation, your scores are low, you're on turnaround, at one year maybe out of all of that. And the frustrating thing about that too is now I realize it's a game, but it still sucks. But I used to take it so personally and so like, I was so devastated by it and trying to do whatever I could to try to save the school. But now I realize it's it's a game. Like I got identified for school turnaround, the law was not written well, and oh wait, it's not actually working, the plan's not working the way that we wanted to and then we they changed the law and then we weren't identified as school turnaround every single thing is like that it's like here's this new school improvement plan you have three years to improve your data especially school dropout data okay guess what that's not three years to do that because that data that comes out on our accountability is two years old by the way and so really you only have a year then if the school doesn't make it then they have to readjust what they're doing it's just it's just a huge game and I am really honestly tired of playing it how many how many how many people have contacted you since the beginning of the school year to tell you that they're coming to look at whatever because we suck (laughs) um 
Well, and I guess all of the things that are for me, so I were identified as a comprehensive school improvement for our dropout rates, our graduation rates, because we are at 66.6% as our three-year average, and the cutoff point for being identified for that is 67%. So I have to write a big fat plan about that, and we had to have somebody come in and do a root cause analysis, and they came up with the fact that you know the things that we're lacking are professional development. Well, guess what? We're a small school. It's really hard to do that. Of course, that's one of the areas that we need to work on. And parent engagement, well, no shit. Apparently, <laughs> we have a lot of parents that aren't around. We have a lot of kids that live with grandparents. We have a lot of kids that sleep on couches. We have a lot of parents working two yeah. and three jobs. And our kids are spread out from Provo to Layton to Tooele to Park City. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to have parent engagement. So yeah, those are two legitimate things that we need to work on. But if you actually look at research, those two things, that's not gonna impact putting a plan together to improve those things. That's not gonna have an impact on graduation rates by next year. So then you're asking the state to help you figure that out and they don't have any answers for you. I've, well, I know of one school in particular who was in trouble for their graduation rate. And so that principal just went through and gave all the kids the credit that they needed to graduate and had 100%. I I had someone sit in a training meeting at the state level and they were talking about graduation codes and the person next to them that was at a district school was like, well, our district just tells them to put transfer out of state when they drop out, then they don't count. Well, yeah, that's a good way to solve it. Just That fixes it. Our graduation rate, uh, it would take seriously to raise our graduation rate. We're looking at one kid or two kids that need to graduate. And believe (laughs) me when I tell you, we work our asses off to get every kid to graduate. We have so many programs in place. We have an amazing credit recovery program. I say that because I wrote it. (laughs) We have teachers that care. We have teachers working with every student one-on-one to get them to do credit recovery. We're constantly looking at the kids that are failing and figuring out what other supports that they need to get to the finish line. We're not just saying like, oh, go buy a packet. That's not what we're doing. We are working our butts off to try to get these kids graduated. Well, and I think it's interesting that, I mean, the root cause analysis people flat out said that everything we're doing is amazing. We've put in well-thought-out systems to make sure that every kid has at least one adult in the building that's tracking their progress. We do that through advisory, but like it's a system that we like work really hard to maintain and work really hard with the teachers to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing to track kids. We have all sorts of like programs in place and we're putting in mental health supports and trying to like put a tiered system in so teachers are incorporating um, de-escalation and mindfulness in their classes so that kids can, you know, most of our kids have anxiety and that's why they're missing school. We do tons. And the root cause analysis team that came in, the critics that came in, recognized that. And they actually wrote our root cause analysis in that, like, our professional development needs, you know, we need to work on that basically because we're so, we spend so much time and we're so focused on helping the kids and doing what it takes for the kids that, that that's taken priority over taking care of ourselves and professional development. So even in the writing of our root cause analysis, we read it in a way that said they're doing a good job but I guess something. but I guess if you have to find something this is what 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 there is to look at right so I think we skipped one or maybe it's well I guess it would be under this but 
college professors. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, when I've been through education programs, I don't think I've had a college professor that's been in the classroom for years. Not to not to bash everybody in the university system because I do see some I, I I do see some people like I look at the U of U Education and Policy Center my experience at Utah State in the education program there are a few people that I can think of that have extensive experience in administration in the schools but we obviously had different experiences at Utah State but a few <laughs> <laughs> but the vast majority of the people that taught my classes or who moved to the university do so because they tried it out in the classroom. They tried it out in administration and it was just too hard. So what I'm hearing you say is those who can't do teach and those who can't (laughs) teach, teach college. (laughs) Is that what I just heard? Yeah. Only, you know. Teachers can do. <laughs> Teachers are super Teachers can do, but I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. that those who can't teach, teach teachers to teach. Yeah. Awkward, right? Like, that's like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's insane. And it's, and it feels that way too. It feels, when you're going to a class for education and let's say you're brand spanking new and you're sitting there and like, cause I went through an alternative route to licensure and I remember like, you know, I'm getting flooded with information in while I'm working all day and then I'll go to these classes and these classes are just, I don't know how to say it, but it's, they're basic. They don't cover anything you really need to know. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. I felt like when I, I mean, granted, I was very young. Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel like I was young then, but when I started teaching at the ripe age of 24, I remember going into the classroom and realizing that none, especially classroom management, none of that shit worked. I don't have the time when I'm teaching 45 kids in a classroom, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have the time to sit down every single time a kid has an issue and make a special little contract. It's just the practicality of implementing the strategies that they tell you to do. I guess it has a sound background in research and all of those things, but like the practicality of being in a classroom with 45 kids and doing all those little specialized individual things, you can't. You can't do it. And everything I thought I knew got flipped on its head. And I think that every teacher experiences that. Well, and I think that even with the people that are way into behavior and they have their behavior certification, right? Mm -hmm. Like they see behavior as the true answer to all things. They can change the world with, with their BCBA licensure. And I'm not a behavior specialist. I think of myself as a relationship specialist because if you don't have a relationship and there's more and more kids, they see right through all that crap. They see right through the level system. They see right through the positive. They want people to be honest with them and they don't want to have to jump through those hoops. And the more I'm watching that, the more I'm seeing it isn't about how many, I don't know, tokens you can hand out in a day. It's about making that kid feel like they've made themselves better during the day. And when you look at adults, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if as a teacher, as an administrator, as anyone working in education, if the message you got from parents, the message you got from the State Office of Education, the message you got from your lawmakers was 
hey, I recognize what you're up against and you're doing a good job. Thanks for trying. Thanks for sacrificing so much of your life for something that you believe in. And thank you for all the good work that you do. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be amazing. I don't know what I'd do. (laughs) I don't know either. I did get that email though. That was a really nice email. But I mean, that's how we should be treated every single day. It shouldn't be that we're treated like we're idiots and that we're too stupid to know anything because I don't know one teacher that goes to work during the day and says to themselves, oh, I just took this job because I'd get my summers off and I don't really want to make a difference. Like, I don't know any teacher that got into this business because they didn't want to make a difference. I don't either. And the teachers... And the, even and the, the teachers even that, the ones felt that, that drive way. me crazy. <laughs> oh, and maybe the teachers that felt that way. Oh, man, this is a lot of work. I think I'm going to go to the university level. <laughs> Good one. I totally agree. Or they... Or they get out. Like, they. some do come in and they are like, oh, this isn't what I expected. I, I expected kids to sit up straight in their desk, call me sir and or ma'am, and have their pencils and paper, and they just are waiting for all the beautiful things I have to teach them. And that's not what our kids do, Mm-mm. you know? And they, first of all, they don't ever show up with pencils. They don't ever show up with paper. You have to supply that. You have, And they don't really want to hear what you have to say, especially on the high school level, because a lot of times, going back to that positive reinforcement, by the time they hit us, they feel like such failures. They don't want to be here, and the only reason they feel like that they're here is because they'd be in trouble if they weren't. So we've covered politicians, we've covered school boards, we've covered professors. We've covered education consulting. Have we? Have we covered? Well, I kind of did. I we kind of we, we yeah. had. I, I have my own opinions about education consulting firms. I feel like don't get into that business until you're going to get your hands dirty. And I don't know of any that really want to get their hands dirty. I know of a few that work for education consulting firms that, that really want to get in there and make a difference. And do. And then they burn out. Yeah. Because, because, I mean, instead of doing it for one school, they're doing it for 20. Right. You know? Or they just, they find themselves stuck in between a rock and a hard place because once again, they're in there trying to take something from above that's like this this mandate, this process, this like program, this whatever, this the answer, the cure-all be-all for fixing every education problem. And then they're trying to like shove it into all of these schools. And so sometimes those people find themselves in the middle of it too because they can see, they also see like the breakdown between this big higher philosophical view of how education works and the actual nitty-gritty of what actually happens and how teachers actually respond and how kids actually respond to this lofty research-based idea. So I guess really to wrap it up, I I think what needs to start occurring and what we're not seeing, I think these people that have, that are making all these decisions from like working on the state level to being a politician, to being a college professor, to being a consultant, it, it goes back to the old idea of don't forget where you came from. You've got to get your hands dirty and you've got to get in the arena and start fighting with us. Otherwise, what you're telling us is bullshit. Yeah. You need to stop viewing us as the problem and stop viewing us as something that's broken that needs fixed and get in here and help us. Because we're not, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. We know what we're doing 
Um, we don't have enough hands. We don't have enough hands. And we don't have enough understanding. And the more the more you're trying to fix the problem, the more structures you put in place, the more oversight you put on us, the more all of that does is just make it harder for us to do the work that matters. Well, yeah, you're taking up all of our time answering emails, having meetings with you so that you can tell us a bunch of shit that you don't know because you haven't taken two seconds to be in the classroom with us and, and figure out who our students are. I get to spend all of my time writing writing school improvement plans with evidence-based practices that I have to do all this research on, which, by the way, there's not a bunch of actual research on. A lot of it's best practice, but that doesn't mean it's research-based. It's just so much work. And then I have to write that school improvement plan and another school improvement plan for Title I, and then I have to turn in this report, and I have to have this root cause analysis people come in, and I have to prepare all this, the data and stuff for them that they could easily just look up on the same website that they provide for me to look it up on. It's just extra, 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 extra work. And all of that time that I'm writing and doing all of those things and writing a plan for professional development could be spent helping kids. Yeah. The root cause analysis was in May. So I had to prepare for that huge visit in May when guess what I'm trying to do? Get kids graduated. Get kids graduated. Whoa. And now I have to write a plan at the beginning of the year while I'm, guess what? Trying to start a new school year and figure out where all the kids need to be and figure out who needs what because I don't, I've got a hundred new kids that I don't have any idea what they need yet, but better get that plan in on professional development that's going to help our kids graduate from high school. Right. So, any anything happened this week that was exciting for you, or any any good news about the school? I know it hasn't been. I mean, we're still in the honeymoon phase, guys. We haven't had any crazy. We did have a drug bust today. I miss doing those. <laughs> <laughs> we had a drug bust. I I too have received how many emails have I gotten so far on visits for the special education department and. For every every score that I have that's low on my report, I've had a specialist reach out to me to ask me what my plan is to turn that around. <laughs> so I'm getting on my level. I'm getting the same emails that I mean, yeah that, that Kdub's getting. I guess you asked me, and I got yeah. off on the one yeah. thing. But yeah, I've got we've got accreditation this year, Title One this Title One monitoring visit this year, CTE monitoring visit this year, our governing board monitoring visit this year. I don't know if I don't think we have the comprehensive counseling and guidance one this year. We have indicator eleven and thirteen visit. Yay! Plus I I don't know have to answer to all these specialists at the state. I guess the microphone doesn't pick up my air quotations, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) And all the while, like, the opportunities that I have for, you know, when we talk about relationship building, like, I'm not building relationships when I'm doing all of that stuff. And I guess that's part of why I miss the drug busts and stuff like that. That's my one opportunity as an administrator to really honestly get to know kids and build relationships with them. It's kind of kind of sad, but it's true. Yeah. Some of the best relationships you build with kids are when you help them through tough stuff like that. Oh, yeah, totally. Bad decisions. <laughs> right? You're like war buddies. That's oh, awesome. Okay, well, see you next week. <laughs>